Hey guys, Pete Mundo here. Thanks for downloading the podcast. Really appreciate it. And please do uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you got to do is email me a screenshot of your rating and your review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get the koozie in the mail. Thanks so much, guys. We'll talk to you soon. and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line, touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody saying. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes they just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards from McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! Well, now that the NFL is officially over, the next football that matters comes in late August, courtesy of college football. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, where your Big 12 digital media outlet. We appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show. So there's so much to get into on, on all fronts. And, you know, where I want to begin is the fact that, first off, some people ask me about the Alliance of American Football. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not taking that seriously. I'm just not. You can. You know, if you need your fix, if you are that big of a heroin addict that you got to go down the road of the Alliance of American Football, be my guest. I'm not doing it, <laughs> at least not yet. You might be getting me to, but I'm not doing it. I am now counting down to spring football in the Big 12. That's what's got me going over the next few weeks, trying to dig out of this. Uh, you know, it's been a pretty brutal winter. I'm not sure where you are. I'm in Kansas City. It's, it's not been fun uh, since the new year. Anyway, I was thinking about this with the NFL in the books, right? And it was a terrible Super Bowl. And, and when you think about it, when the Cheez-It Bowl is better than the Super Bowl, the NFL has a problem. But where the NFL does not have a problem is in some of its young quarterbacks. You know, it could have been Mahomes versus Goff, a couple of you know two-year guys, year two guys, year three guys, getting their feet wet on the biggest stage in the NFL in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, Chiefs couldn't get it done. But you think about guys like Baker Mayfield. You think about Mitch Trubisky, right? All of a sudden, these young names keep popping up. Sam Darnold. And where do none of these names come from? None of them come from the SEC, and none of them come from the Big Ten. Not a single one. Deshaun Watson, ACC, Texans, of course, Clemson guy. Where do any of them come from? They're all from the Big 12. They're all from the Pac-12. And a lot of them are from the ACC. That's it. That's the reality. You know, we always hear about the big and mighty SEC and the Big Ten. And don't get me wrong, they're good conferences. But when you talk about the quarterback position, the most hyped position in football, they are coming from those three conferences and not the other ones. So 
I was thinking about the Big 12 and how this relates specifically to the conference that we cover. And when you think about guys like Baker Mayfield, who has helped turn around a dormant Cleveland Browns franchise, and then, of course, what Mahomes did with the Chiefs, getting them to you know an overtime possession uh, within the Super Bowl, this is great for the conference. You know, it, it's sad to think about it, but Patrick Mahomes was the first true Big 12 quarterback to win an NFL playoff game. That was a red flag, and it was a bad deal for the Big 12 to have this going on for the past you know 20 years, where they didn't have a single quarterback who had won an NFL playoff game. It's frankly pretty embarrassing that finally Monkey is now off the Big 12's back, and based on what we're seeing, Patrick Mahomes is going to win a lot of NFL playoff games. And Baker Mayfield, if he can continue to help turn around that franchise to where they're competing in the playoffs, I hate to bust out, you know, the old uh, uh, playoffs. Talking about playoffs? Who was that? Oh, gosh. Somebody give me a little bit of help. Jim Mora. The great Jim Mora with the playoffs drop. Uh, When you are talking about the Browns and playoffs in the same sentence and potentially Baker Mayfield in that conversation as well, my goodness, that's another huge boost for this conference. So when you talk about the most important position and you see the success of Mahomes, you see the success of Mayfield, who should have won Rookie of the Year. No offense, Saquon Barkley should have won Rookie of the Year. And you're seeing, you know, NFL love for Big 12 coaches. I, my goodness, Cliff Kingsbury, a sub-500 record, gets hired by the Arizona Cardinals. I get it. He's riding them home's train a little bit. But who cares? You know, when the Big 12 can say, we fired a guy who couldn't, uh, you know, win more than four conference games, and he just got an NFL job, <laughs> is that worth something or is that worth something? You had NFL teams considering Matt Rule. I, you know, how close was Matt Rule to the New York Jets job? I think really close. We may never know, but I think it was really close to getting that job. Uh, Lincoln Riley, he may not have had any serious conversations, but if he wanted to, he could have, right? That was because Lincoln Riley said, listen, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I want to stay here. I want to be here. And not only that, but he signed an extension to prove it. So that's out of the picture. But what other conference had this uh, much attention from the NFL? Right? I mean, can you find me one? Bueller? Anybody? Matt Campbell? Got asked to be interviewed by the New York Jets? Don't forget that. Nobody got that kind of love or attention over the last couple of weeks from the NFL. Four to ten coaches had NFL interest. One of them got a head job. It was the guy who was fired by Texas Tech. You want to say, well, Nick Saban could get any job he wanted. All right, fine, he could. And, And he tried it once, and he bombed miserably. What does that mean? You know, I mean, is anybody knocking down? Maybe Dabo Sweeney could have an NFL job and Kirby Smart and these guys. But it's because of the stylistic intrigue, first off in the Big 12, the offensive minds, the quarterback gurus that are Cliff Kingsbury, uh, that are Lincoln Riley. And then Matt Rule has the ties to the NFL, which helps him out a lot. And he's taken a program in Baylor that was a disaster on and off the field the last couple of years, and he just won seven games with him. That is worth something in year two. So this conference is in, is in very good shape when it comes to the hierarchy across the Power Five. And it's something that you know every fan should be looking at, uh, should be proud of, should be happy about. 
and it's something that this this conference should be able to build on as we get to spring football and as we get into the uh, you know summer and get ready for next season. It, it's got to be. It should absolutely be a bigger part of the conversation in this conference and how it handles itself moving forward. And, you know, the other part is we, we are in the offseason and people are already talking about 2019 and what it means and early odds are coming out. It's interesting to me that Texas has better odds to reach the national championship, win the national championship, than Oklahoma. Um, you know, it seems like every year, and I'm glad Texas is back. You know, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, Texas, uh, they're, they're not back yet. No, I said they were back after they beat OU in October, and they are back. They got to the Big 12 title game. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. They're back. Whether you like it or not, it's good for the conference. But are we overvaluing them in January, February? I think we are, and we tend to do this every year. You know, instead of just looking at Texas for what they are, we overvalue them to the point where we're sitting here and we're like, all right, when we think that they are a top 25 team, they're actually a 500 team. And now we're like, yeah, this is probably a top 10-ish team that can absolutely compete and win the Big 12. And now we're like, yeah, you know, best odds to make the college football playoff in the Big 12, best odds to reach the uh, national championship game and win it. (laughs) Can we stop doing it? As much as I'm glad Texas is back, can we pull it back a little bit here and not get ourselves so wrapped up and so uh, obsessed with this idea of overvaluing Texas? I got to see it again. You know, they are a year ahead of schedule. They were a year ahead of schedule in 2018. No doubt about it. I thought they'd finish third or fourth in the conference and they could win eight, nine games. I thought that would have been a great year. But they get to the Big 12 title. And then they beat Georgia in that Sugar Bowl. And all of a sudden, I mean, if you wanted the hype train to take off, boy, it's taken off. Because when I look at the odds and I see the Texas Longhorns with the best chance in the Big 12 to win the whole darn thing and to win the national championship, I'm like, can we pump the brakes for a hot minute here, please? What I'm really intrigued by here in this offseason is to see, you know, over the past 10 years – since Texas has been down by Texas standards, you've had OU and then you've had, you know, a team that kind of replaces Texas as that second best team in the conference. It's been TCU. It's been Oklahoma State. Um, it's been Baylor for a period of time. Uh, who am I forgetting? It hasn't really been Tech. You can argue it's been West Virginia here and there, although not really. So it's really been a combination of TCU and, and, uh, and Oklahoma State for the most part, right? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. But now who takes, if Texas truly is back, which I think they are, and if they are now one of the top two teams with OU, I don't see OU seeding their position at the top of the Big 12 anytime soon, who is going to be that number three team that can compete slash knock off those top two? That's what I am really interested in over these next, um, frankly, I guess that's a more of a couple-year conversation. And if a team like Oklahoma State or TCU can't do it, and if they see themselves sliding back into the pack, does that affect their recruiting? I would hate to see it happen. You know, both those teams are coming off of 500 seasons, right? They're both coming off of mediocre years, which is unusual for both of those teams over the past you know, decade or so. They're both going to be looking for a nice bounce back. But it's not easy in this conference with this type of depth. 
when you got Matt Campbell up there in Ames and you got Matt Rule down there in Waco, guys we haven't even talked about, and Neil Brown, who people love at West Virginia. <laughs> you know, working your way up the ladder, even back up the ladder when you've been at the top of the ladder, is not easy to do in this conference. It's not, and it's going to be fascinating to see how now that three through six works out in the Big 12 Conference. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your Big 12 digital media outlet. Well, coming up, let's uh, let's talk some hoops. Matthew Postens, he's our basketball guru. He will join us next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, let's turn our attention to some basketball in the Big 12 Conference and welcome in a guy who many of you are reading, and he does as good a job on the Big 12 Hoops front as anybody when it comes to a conference-wide perspective. Matthew Postens, one of our own here at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. It's Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. All right, Matthew, a game of the week in the Big 12 this week, of course, the Sunflower Showdown. Kansas State beating Kansas, and, you know, I know we waited over 10 years to see if somebody can knock off the uh, Kansas Jayhawks from the top spot in the Big 12. Does it feel at all to you as we get into February here, like this might be the year after what we saw on Tuesday night? It, it feels as if it's certainly possible. I mean, they've won. Kansas has won 14 straight regular season championships. In fact, I went back and I scrolled through uh, Wikipedia, which is not, not always the most reliable source, but you wouldn't think they could screw up uh, uh, records for each season. Uh, they haven't won the regular season title since Bill Self's first season as head coach, so this would be a huge deal, obviously. When you look at the when you look at the standings and you look at the way these teams are playing right now, the three hottest teams in the conference are at the top, and none of them are the Kansas Jayhawks. You've got Kansas State, which has now won seven of its last eight games. You've got the Baylor Bears, who have won six straight and are, are one of the hottest teams in the country. And then you have Iowa State, who has won four straight games. Uh, and now Kansas, you know, they're, they lost uh, to Kansas State. But even before that, you know, they've been hot and cold the last two weeks, really since the Big 12 Challenge. Uh, and even before that, their biggest problem is they, they can't win games on the road right now. They're one and six on the road right now this season. They've lost, I believe, now four conference games on the road. And it's, it's, a, it's a team that, they don't have the depth that we thought they were going to have uh, coming into the season due to injuries. Uh, they didn't have Marcus Garrett for the Kansas State game. That hurt them as well. And they're really funneling everything through one guy, Diedrich Lawson, who is a very talented player, uh, went into that Kansas State game leading the conference in scoring. But he can't do everything, and there have been some nights where he just hasn't gotten enough from the guys around him. Matthew Poston's our guest. All right, Matthew. Well, you know, the good news for Kansas is they're 6-4 and four in conference play. I get it there, you know, uh, game and a half back. But their schedule is pretty soft here coming up with Oklahoma State on Saturday, TCU and West Virginia, before next Saturday at Texas Tech, and then Kansas State on Monday. That's that's a tough two-game stretch in three days. Um, they got to go 3-0, and right, over these next three games to, to still try and win the Big 12? They have to. Yeah, I feel like they do. I mean, as as much of the eight behind the eight balls they seem to be being a game and a half back, they they still have some control over whether or not they win the conference or not. Like you said, they've got three games where theoretically they should be able to win. They should be the better team in each of those three games, and then that gives them the opportunity to go 
and face Texas Tech, a team they've already beaten once. They beat them in Lawrence, so they've got to go to Lubbock to see if they can beat uh, Texas Tech there. And if they can do that, then they'll own the, the sweep in that season series. And at least if they were able to go home and beat Kansas State, they would, that would at least give them a split. Then they would have a split with Iowa State. And then don't forget, they've got to play Baylor again, and they've lost to Baylor already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this, this little three-game stretch right here, uh, even these are games they should win. Mm-hmm. And if they win those games, then they're set up to at least give themselves the opportunity to have some control over whether or not they can continue this streak of uh, bleak championships or not. But if they lose any one of those three games, I think it's going to be really, really hard for them to win the regular season championship because they, they don't have any margin for error now. They not only have to win those three games, but they really need to win at least two of those three games against Baylor, uh, Kansas State, and uh, Texas Tech. Well, Matthew, let's look at a team in the Baylor Bears who, you know, you saw them a couple of weeks ago against Alabama in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. They rolled that game, and you were like, Pete, you know, I might be underrating this team. Uh, They're right in the mix for the Big 12. They've got a huge game Saturday against Kansas State. Uh, What does this team have to do in your eyes over these next couple of weeks to really prove to you that not only are they a a Big 12 contender, but maybe a, a deep contender in the NCAA tournament? Well, I, I think they're a Big 12 contender now. I mean, I think they've set themselves up in a place where uh, they have a favorable path. A- admittedly, it's still a difficult path, but you think about the fact that they've beaten Kansas at home. They've beaten Texas Tech at home. Uh, they, they've they got Kansas State, as you said, coming on Saturday. I think they've got at least one more matchup with Iowa State coming up. They might actually have both of their matchups with Iowa State coming up. The way they're playing right now, uh, Makai Mason has become the key to this entire basketball team because, you know, a month ago he was still trying to work himself back into shape after basically missing two years of basketball due to that foot injury. You know, mm-hmm. he put up 40 in a game last week. Uh, he's not just scoring, he's distributing the basketball. And what's really impressive about this team is how they rebound. Uh, they were the first team to out-rebound Alabama this season. Alabama had a decided height advantage. And it's because they're, they're six, five, six, 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 seven guys who are in the starting lineup, like Mark Vital, uh, are doing such a great job of getting to the glass. And what's really been key, along with Mason, has been the fact that Scott Drew has developed a bench that was almost non-existent a month ago. They've got four guys they can turn to uh, for 15, 20 minutes a game, both at the guard position and inside of the forward position. And these guys are really starting to give him valuable minutes. So as you look at the teams in this conference right now, Kansas State's probably playing the best, and they probably have the best five- or six-man rotation right now in the league. But Iowa State and Baylor are both starting to look like deeper teams in terms of the number of guys they can turn to when they really need to get an extra five or ten minutes off the bench and give a guy a break and not lose a whole lot in the process. So I think they're in it. Whether they get deep in the Big 12 in in the NCAA tournament, I think really depends on the matchup they get because, like I said, they don't have a lot of height in their starting lineup. And while they're a great rebounding team, you're going to start running into teams in the NCAA tournament that have that decided height advantage, not just in the starting lineup, but on their bench as well. 
You know, I think it's a great point. Matthew Poston's our guest, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, does a great job on the basketball side. You mentioned Iowa State, and you're right about the depth. You know, I just pulled this up against Oklahoma on Monday. They had seven guys play at least 19 minutes in that one-point win. Uh, you know, a lot of teams will go seven or eight deep, but, you know, guys seven and eight might be playing eight, nine, maybe ten minutes. Um, you talk about the depth that Iowa State has, and I feel like when we talk about this Big 12 race, we're now talking Kansas State. We still of course, talk Kansas, Baylor's in the mix, Texas Tech. Are, are we forgetting about Iowa State a little bit? And if so, is that wrong of us? Uh, I'm not. Uh, there may be others that are out there that are forgetting about mm-hmm. them, but I'm not. And, and the big thing is you talked about that seventh and eighth guy. Those seventh and eighth guys are Lindell Wigington and Cameron Lard, and they started for them last year. And perhaps the best thing that happened to this team was uh, Lindell Wigginton getting hurt in November because it allowed Steve Prome to put those two great freshmen in the starting lineup, Therese Halliburton and Taylor Horton-Tucker. It allowed Marielle Shayok time to really kind of get into the groove of what Iowa State wanted to do offensively because they really want to press the issue on offense. And when Wigginton came back, you know, you know, Prome could have easily just said, you know what, he was the starter last year. I'm going to put him back in the lineup. But he kind of rolled the dice a little bit and left that starting five as it was and brought Lindell Wigginton off the bench. And really over the last two weeks, Wigginton has probably turned into the best sixth man in this conference. And he seems to have accepted the role. And the great thing is he's excelling in the role, and he's still playing starters minutes. But Steve Prome now has the luxury of bringing basically a sixth starter off the bench to give him 15, 20 minutes a game. And two of the last three games, I think Wigginson's had at least 15 points. So Mm -hmm. the the decision to leave those freshmen in and leave that starting lineup intact has worked out masterfully for the Cyclones, and it's part of the reason why they're in this race to stay for the final month or so. You know, Matthew, let's uh, let's touch on on Texas Tech. you know, that, that game against Kansas last weekend, I obviously, none of us expected that. I mean, they were, what, in a 20-point hole in the first half? I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people didn't see that coming. Uh, Tariq Owens, the way he's come on has been fantastic. This team is is still good. Um, defensively, I don't know if, if they're the team of last year under Chris Beard. I mean, what concerns do you have about the Red Raiders right now? I think the big thing that concerns me is that on those nights where – you know, Jarrett Culver is excellent or even above average. Mm-hmm. You know, how many other guys are going to come to to help them, offensively speaking? I think defensively they're fine. They okay. played a great defensive game on Monday. Okay. I, I, they were just terrific against West Virginia. Not that West Virginia has a whole lot right now, but uh, they, I thought their defense was great. But, you know, offensively, when they're successful, it's when other guys like Davide Moretti, Owens, Matt Mooney, and guys like that are able to get into double figures with Jarrett Culver. I think there was a period there for a couple of weeks where the team became a little bit too Jarrett Culver-focused, and maybe you had some guys sitting there on the perimeter waiting for Jarrett Culver to come to the rescue because it had happened two or three times early in the Big 12 season. Now I'm starting to see a team that is starting to get a little bit more balanced offensively, and I think that's going to benefit them as they move on because they're in a similar stretch right now to Kansas. They need to win the next couple of games because they're matchups they should be able to win before they get back into the heart of the schedule that's going to decide whether or not they have a chance to win the league title or not. And they've got a chance, too, even though they're two games back. Like I said, they've still got Kansas. They've still got to play Baylor again. They've still got to play Kansas State again, I believe. Uh, I think they've still got another game with Iowa State. So the great thing about this league for the next five weeks is that, you know, 
K-State, Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Texas Tech, all five of these teams have a chance to win this league because things are tight and because they still have so many games against one another. Interesting. Matthew Poston joining us, heartlandcollegesports.com. Um, the, the Texas Longhorns, Matthew, you know, I was looking up some of the numbers recently. The, the Shaka Smart has recruited better than Bill Self. I mean, he's had top 10 classes, best in the Big 12. And I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about, you know, this proverbial hot seat, right? Um, is, is Shaka Smart potentially going to be a victim of his own success in the recruiting trail? They're the most mysterious team in the conference, yeah. honestly, because they, they, like you said, they have so much talent and they've done a great job of recruiting over the past few years. And I don't know what it is about this team that isn't coming together. I mean, at the beginning of the Big 12 season, it was about their three-point shooting. They've gotten better from distance. Uh, they've been a good rebounding team. They've been a good shooting team. They've been a good defensive team. But I, I think what has really bedeviled them the first half of the league season is that they just haven't been consistent. They'll play a really good game against Kansas and beat them at home. And then they'll go to Iowa State and they'll lose by five. Not that there's any shame in that, but they look like a different team against the Cyclones than they did against Kansas. The fact that he's that Smart has not been able to help his team put together consistent performances from game to game this season, I think that's the most glaring weakness in this team because talent-wise, they have everything they need to be competitive. Mm-hmm. It's just whether or not they can be consistent from night to night. And I don't know if that's coaching. I don't know if that's investment in from a player standpoint. I'm not sure what that is. But, you know, when you're recruiting top ten classes, it's really hard to – it becomes difficult to justify whether or not you should fire a guy after a particular season because the talent is there. Yeah, and you just it's it's sometimes it's just hard to put your finger on what's uh what's happening. You know, Texas was a team that played better as the season went on and I think that's kind of what I've been waiting for and I'm still waiting for it. I'm still waiting for them to put that consistency together. Uh, because they had some great wins in non conference and then they had some real groaners and it's been kind of the same way in conference. They play up to a team like Kansas, and then they play down to other teams that they should beat. Mm-hmm. Matthew Poston's our guest. Uh, Matthew, last thing for you here. You know, when you look at the bottom tier of this conference, it feels like there's a real drop. Uh, I mean, it, it's I don't want to say real drop off, but it, it, certainly it's it's kind of becoming apparent between the haves and the have-nots who can win the conference, who can make a run, and who and who's not going to do it. The bottom four teams in the Big Twelve: TCU, the Oklahoma schools, and West Virginia. Uh, while, yes, a couple of those teams still can make a run at an NCAA tournament berth, uh, which one of them is most likely to kind of play a spoiler role in your eyes over these next five weeks? When you look at the schedule and you look at the talent, I think that my focus would be on probably Oklahoma because they started to figure some things out. They had a horrible game against um a, a Monday ago against Baylor. They scored yeah. 47 points. They looked as bad as they have looked this entire season. And they went to West Virginia, and even though they lost, they started seeing things start to come together. They lost the other night um, to Iowa State, but they played better. And Christian James finally got back on track offensively. So, you know, these are things that are starting to come together for them that I feel like, you know, over the next few weeks, you know, this is a team that could still go to the NCAA tournament because they had a great non-conference slate and they had some really good wins during non-conference. Mm-hmm. And because they have the talent and because they have guys like Christian Doolittle and Jamuni McNeese and uh, Jamal Bienemy, the talented freshman, I think they can make things really hard on some of these contenders in this conference uh, down the stretch and, and have some influence over who wins 
this league championship because they've got uh, games coming up. I'm pretty sure they have Kansas one more time. I think they have Texas Tech one more time. I think they may have Baylor one more time. So they, yeah. they have an opportunity with their talent and their schedule to have an influence over who wins this regular season title or not. Well, Matthew, you nailed it too. Uh, the, these next couple of days, they've got Tech on Saturday, Baylor on Monday. That's a huge two games in three days for OU. We're going to learn a lot more about the Sooners by next week. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's so great about this conference right now is just it's is how surprising it's been. I mean, I think we all knew Kansas State was going to be good. I don't know if any of us envisioned they would win seven of eight, you know, going into this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, none of us envisioned Baylor being this good this year. I mean, <laughs> I thought Scott Drew at Media Days, and he was like, yeah, I got three returning lettermen. I'm not really sure what I've got going into <laughs> the season. And then they're probably going to go to the NCAA tournament. And then you have Kansas, and Kansas can certainly still win this conference if they can put things together. And I would certainly not put it past Bill's self to put together a run here at the end of the season that would allow Kansas to extend the streak of 15 straight uh, regular season championships. So a lot of fun with about nine games left on the schedule right here at the halfway point. A lot of fun down the stretch. Well, Matthew, always good to have you on, and, and the insight's fantastic. We appreciate it. I know the listeners do as well. And we will do it again uh, basically until until there's no more Big 12 team left playing basketball. We'll be talking to you every week. We look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Pete. Coming up, some final thoughts on Lincoln Riley and much more right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Before we get to some news on Lincoln Riley and and his contract extension, I want to touch on that in a little bit more detail. But did you see what Les Miles pulled off at Kansas? Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll dive into more of the recruiting stuff next week. Uh, let it settle for a few days, digest it, do some uh, do some more homework on all these 10 teams and where things stand. Uh, so we'll do all that next week, I promise you. But I just wanted to touch on this because it happened earlier this week, and it was that Stephen Parker, uh, defensive and outside linebacker, South Oak Cliff High School in Dallas. Well, guess what? He is a four-star prospect, and you better believe it. This guy is going to the freaking Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, are you kidding me? A four-star guy going to Les Miles' team? And I'll tell you what, I don't know what kind of a head coach Les Miles is going to be in terms of keeping up with these Big 12 offenses. I mean, he couldn't keep up in the SEC when it came to offenses. Can he keep up in the Big 12? I don't know. I've said from the get-go, though, I think it's a really good hire because if Kansas, with as terrible as it's been, can get a guy that's won a national championship and he's not like, you know, you're not digging Newt Rockney out of the grave, right? Like You can get a guy that's won a national championship. I get it was 12 years ago, but still he's won a national title in the modern era. Right? He wants to come to you. You want to hire him. You give it a shot. You give it a go. And... I thought that Les Miles would be able to recruit. Is a four-star defensive end outside linebacker from Dallas, is he going to the Kansas Jayhawks under um, under David Beatty? I, I think David Beatty's a, a really good guy and a very nice man. I dealt with him at a couple of Big 12 media days. He is a gentleman. He is a good guy. Was he getting four-star prospects? I know he had a couple, right? I mean, he got a couple in his last recruiting cycle out of Louisiana. I understand that. I think Puka Williams was a four-star guy as well. 
But is he picking them out of, out of Dallas, Texas uh, on the defensive and outside linebacker spot? That's a different ball game. So kudos to Les Miles, doing a great job, got it done. We'll have more recruiting for you in next week's podcast, more in-depth stuff there. So uh, stay tuned for that as part of next week's podcast as we let it all settle, let the dust settle, and dive into the recruiting scene. And then it's going to be focusing on uh, spring ball. I mean, just get me there. I am itching. Gosh, I'm like an addict. I'm scratching my skin right off. Unbelievable. Uh, anyway, so Lincoln Riley signs the contract extension last week, and and uh, I want to just look at this from a big picture perspective. I was thinking about this compared to the NFL, right? Because we were talking earlier about some of the Big Twelve names that had you know NFL possibilities to them, and you talked about Matt Rule. Um, we talked about you know Cliff Kingsbury getting the job, obviously at Arizona. Uh, we talk about Lincoln Riley. Now, we also discussed this last week in the podcast where we said, okay, which Big 12 coach is most likely to leave soon? And I came to the conclusion of Mike Gundy uh, was my most likely answer or Matt Rule. Mike Gundy, I could just see him retiring. Like, I could see Mike Gundy being like, you know what, I'm 58 or whatever at 60. I'm done. I'm not going to be Bobby Bowden and do this until I'm 100 years old or Joe Paterno. I made a ton of money. I made tens of millions of dollars. I'm out. I'm going to sit back, have a beer, shoot some guns, and uh, away we go. Like, I could see him doing that. Matt Rule, clearly the NFL knows him. At some point, he's going to be at the next level. I hope he can give this Baylor program through 2020. At this point, that would be, I think, I think all of Baylor Nation would sign up for that as well. Um, but Lincoln Riley, you know, I just, I could see Lincoln Riley staying at Oklahoma for 15 years. He's not even 35. He's got young kids. He's making six million bucks a year. If you look at the bonus, he gets an annual bonus of seven hundred grand for every year he stays on the job. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, wouldn't you like that a seven hundred thousand dollar bonus just to like stay in your current job? Can I can can I need a new agent? You know, I mean, I work in in radio, so like we deal with kind of these performance bonus stuff all the time, and I know a lot of you do too in the private sector. But I'm like. Uh, yeah, I'm making some phone calls here. Someone's got to get me a bonus where if I just keep my job for another year, someone's paying me 700 grand to do it. Uh, he gets 150 grand in annual bumps through 2023. Riley also gets a million dollars if he stays at OU past April 1st, 2021. <laughs> so it's like, all right, you stayed on the job for another uh, two years and two months. Here's a million dollars. And he can earn up the 750 grand in annual performance bonuses. So all in all, Lincoln Riley on a given year, I mean, the guy can make easy seven and a half million bucks, right? At least seven. Gets seven hundred thousand dollar bonus every time he stays. His base is six. When you look at the NFL, the top guys are making seven eight million dollars. Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin. You know, top end is eight. If you're Lincoln Riley, and this goes for any coach in America. I mean, I know there's not many of them that are being sought after for the NFL, but hell, I'd even say this to Matt Rule. I know Matt Rule has NFL aspirations. He's an East Coast guy, different ball game. But if you're Lincoln Riley and, you know, you grew up on the college game, don't forget this. A lot of these college guys, they don't have ties to the NFL, you know? It's not like they were grew up diehard NFL fans. They're oftentimes small-town kids, high school, college, maybe had a quick uh, cup of coffee in the NFL, and that was kind of it. But they oftentimes are not people that grew up loving the NFL game. They grew up loving college. And Lincoln Riley is kind of that perfect example. 
you know, small town Texas kid works his way up to the ranks, you know, uh, learns under under Mike Leach and, and tech and then kind of goes on to his own career from there. And he built it up himself. Why would you go to any of these NFL teams unless you just want to prove yourself on the highest stage, which I could totally understand? But you'd think you'd want to prove yourself on the college stage first. I mean, if you win a couple of national titles in a three, four, five year span, then it's like I need a new challenge. I got to keep myself fresh different conversation right and if you're just dying to prove you can do it on the next stage on the biggest stage i get it he's got a couple young kids i mean you know he still hasn't he's done great at ou in two years but it's not like he's proven that he's dominated the college game i mean he hasn't as good as he's been he hasn't dominated the college game by any stretch of the imagination so if if the money's the same and even if it's different by a million or two, your life ain't changing, man. I know I've said it before, but how many times do we have to discuss the fact that your life is not changing seven, eight million? I can't speak to it personally. You know, the blog's not paying that well yet, but it, I, just a hunch. It's not changing. It's not. So I think that Lincoln Riley's in for the long haul. And he is not going anywhere, especially with this new deal. I mean, I'm still waiting, still waiting for that $700,000 contract or that $700,000 bonus for just keeping my job. It's got to be a hell of a deal. <laughs> hell of a deal. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Uh, you guys are awesome. This podcast has really just blown up the last several months. Thank you all for spreading the word. Whether you're listening on the radio show, the podcast version, uh, YouTube, thank you to all of our radio affiliates. They are fantastic, so we appreciate them. And um, it's just grown because of you guys. So thank you so much for spreading the word, for being a part of it, for helping this show grow. And we are getting closer, all right? Spring ball's around the corner. We'll do a lot of recruiting next week and do an in-depth dive into how each team did. We look forward to that, and we'll talk to you very soon. It's Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week, same time and same place. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Well, thanks as always for listening guys really appreciate it and please do rate review subscribe on itunes stitcher and google play i will send you the koozie i can't thank you enough for listening the podcast is growing because of you thank you guys we'll talk to you soon have a great week and enjoy it enjoy it enjoy it enjoy it heartlandcollegesports.com